I'm Brian Myers. I'm Mike Ritalik. I'm Becky Haddad. And this is Owl Pellets, a podcast featuring tips for ag teachers. We are your agricultural education resource across the web, sharing research-based tips and tackling the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Owl Pellets Tips for Ag Teachers. This is another special edition of our conversation around mentoring. It is special because we have Becky leading us um, through this conversation. And I, you could probably hear the eye roll that I just got uh, when I said that Becky's leading this because she's doing a, such a great job, a phenomenal job, in fact, one would say. And it's special because we're all still in the same room together. We are all still together. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. They are sick of hearing this the fifth time. So they already know. Okay. They know. I mean, if you're not going to say anything, that'd be really hard for an audio podcast if you're not going to say anything. <laughs> but you're narrating all my facial expressions, so it works out. I don't have to say anything. Oh. You will just narrate whatever's on my face. <laughs> Brian, <laughs> Brian will narrate. We started strong on this one, folks. Uh, but mentoring, uh, and honestly, we've had a really good conversation about uh, about this topic. And I know I've learned a lot, and really been thinking about the the mentoring roles and relationships that I have that I'm in now that I've been in throughout my career, and those that I should be developing from here on out. So, Becky, if you want to give us a little bit, how do we get to where we are, and what what are, where are we going next in this conversation? Yeah, so we spent some time really really a lot of our time has been defining this mentoring role and this mentoring relationship. And I think one of the things that we've started to kind of come into <laughs> or talk about or hit around is this, there's there's some power dynamic with a mentoring relationship, but we're also then having to talk a little bit more about identity and where we fit and how things fit together. And I think really where where this kind of challenged me was thinking about what am I giving in terms of support um and and what do i what do i accept as support in terms of just even questioning my own experience or where where things fit um but when we think about identity that composite of kind of who a person is against when we're thinking about again mentoring we're thinking about this professional career oriented relationship we've also got within within that or around that maybe is a better place to to put it um we've got these, these norms and we've got these attitudes and traits and stereotypes associated with whatever we're coming into that we're mentoring around. And I think without having some conversation around what does it actually look like to help navigate that? I think we haven't talked a ton about the navigation piece of that co-pilot relationship and what you're actually kind of flying through together. Yeah, that really makes me think about um, the who piece. And, and I know we, offline we've talked a little bit about who's at the table and what that really means. And, and I think it causes us to think, to be a little bit reflective about, you know, who, who are those uh, ag teachers as we think about um, people that we mentor or who are mentoring us and where do they come from and who are they? And are we alternatively licensed teachers? Are we from out of state? Are we people that may have started in, in education and left for another career for a few years and they re returned and how do we make them feel? How do we make them welcomed? And how do we know what their needs are? Um, because a lot of times I think we just make the assumption that 
my experience is the experience that everybody has. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, w- w- those assumptions can really lead us to some some challenges from a mentoring standpoint, but also, um, you know, I think it also leads to having others feeling like they're on the outside looking in through the, the glass door all the time. I think a piece of that, when we talk about identity, we're thinking about just the thoughts about the thoughts a person has about themselves and how they perceive themselves as viewed by the world, the characteristics they use to define themselves. And when we're thinking about this mentoring relationship, we're navigating, we're also navigating that. It's not just how do I work through this, this career or how do I work toward this certain trajectory? Um, Cause that how somebody views themselves is going to really tie into how they develop competence, which is a big piece of that, of that mentoring relationship. We're not going to continue to develop if I don't see myself a certain way relative to whatever I'm working towards with that mentor. Yeah, that, that really is such an important thing that I don't think many of us spend time. I know I haven't spent a whole lot of time kind of trying to think through that. And it's such an important thing to, and really in this conversations we're talking, I'm really just replaying a number of other conversations we've had on the podcast with researchers about identity and all the things we talked about and how those things kind of interplay. And, you know, a lot of times we're having those conversations around retention or whatever else, but it really, really comes together. And maybe this whole idea of mentoring on, on different types of experiences is, is so uh, kind of that thing that kind of brings it all together. I, I don't know. I'm just really, really fascinated by that whole concept. And I think I think the aspects that we also need to give some thought to as we're thinking about their identity um, and, and people's identity in general is um, how do how do we support that conversation? How do we think about um, social stereotypes and social settings that people find themselves in, or and even in some cases racial stereotypes. Um, among many other types of stereotypes that we see. And so having this conversation and thinking about um, identity, not only as a career or the type of teacher, the types of experiences, but what are some of those other identities? And, and, and Becky talked about that earlier, about how do you work with and help develop those individuals or, or de- develop support systems to, to build upon the identities and, and, and make that more... Uh, successful for students. Well, I think, you know, around that, sometimes unintentionally, I think we have this idea, we build this around identity with ag teachers. If you're not a traditionally certified, planning to be the entire career, 30-year career ag teacher, everything else is less than. And I'm like, why would anybody want to be part of this? If, if that's kind of the, the default mindset that we use so much, and how are, you, how are you going to build this trusting, deep relationship we say is needed in mentoring if if you have an alternatively certified teacher or somebody second career or whatever else who's, who can do a great job, but you're already starting with that barrier between the, between the two in that conversation, and understanding what each identity brings, but that there is positive with each different type of identity, and you can you can actually I think that's the opportunity for that mutual learning we've talked a lot about with this here is understanding what each person brings and the identity that they that they come through, rather than an unintentional, we'll, we'll even start there, an unintentional feeling of less than. 
uh-huh. in a variety of ways, which I think happens a whole bunch. Yeah, and I think the text even even talks a little bit about just the expectations that people conform and assimilate to a dominant white male culture uh, that minimizes their life experiences. And so taking a step back, catching your breath, and realizing that those shouldn't be the types of expectations and types of standards. And so how you have those conversations, how you set up mentoring programs, and how you help support that person in developing their identity um, uh, within within the world that they live and work, I think is an important piece to, to think about. I mean, there's the, there's the retention piece. There's also the recruitment piece. Like, there's, there's an idea about what this involves, misconception or not, like whether it's, whether it's accurate, whether it's contrived, there's an idea about what a particular career, in this case ag teaching, is going to look like. And that comes from a variety of places. But ultimately, whether we are coming to the career or in the career making decisions about it, there's this kind of constant question of, do I fit this mold? Mm-hmm. And when we're thinking about that, that identity prototype piece, how much room is there for whatever mold I do fit mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in what this is. And I, th- I think there's, there's some work there for mentors and mentees to navigate about what can you actually, where when we go back to kind of that power dynamic, where do you actually have room to, to have an influence on the career that you're pursuing? Well, and to that point, I think it's also helping that mentee see themselves within that career and see themselves as a teacher and seeing themselves as being successful and, and, and part of that community, I think is an important element. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm thinking some of the work that we came from our colleagues, I think Oregon State, some other places, we talked about this work-life balance and kind of the, we create what the narrative, and I forget what the fancy word is, but when you talk about what the expectations of a job are, Reify. Reify. There we go. <laughs> That's getting, it's like a $17 word and I can't, I don't, I can't afford that much. Um, but I think, again, we, we've talked before about how this mentorship, even the kind of a senior member, junior member, but still is a mutually beneficial thing. I think so often senior members of our profession may have created this narrative that, oh my gosh, you have to give up and sacrifice all these things and you've got to work from, you know, all these crazy hours and you can't have an outside life where maybe, you know, the newer ag teachers out there, the, the more junior members can actually be that, that understanding like, no, this is what it, I can put boundaries and guardrails around to have more, a more complete life. And that's that opportunity then for them to actually be teaching that more senior member of the profession um, to do that. So I think it's a good, a good opportunity where they can, uh, they can use that identity as a teaching tool and as a conversation piece and really build upon the strengths that each of those may have. I think that kind of goes back to what you're saying about what do people bring to the table? Because mm-hmm. a big piece of that, that integration into a career is how, how we help people see themselves as contributing. And I think we've talked about this a couple times off air over the last few days that we've been recording, just the difference in the workforce with where different generations interact and where different things come up against themselves and what what we view as contributions and how that looks different from depending on when we entered the workforce and i think there's there's some hard work for there there's some hard work there for both mentors and mentees to think about what like some of it's just giving each other some grace like mm-hmm. what 
is the contribution and how do I acknowledge that? How do I recognize that? How do I make room for that in, in the work that we're doing? And I think making room for it, um, as we think about identity, um, a, a lot of us go to this thought of colorblindness and that we hold this colorblind view um, of students and really dismiss that um, this idea of social identity is part of shaping um, their experiences. And, and I think the, the text and, and some of the work that we've heard and, and, and read quite often is that, you know, ignoring those identity pieces like race and gender and other social identities really denies um, the, the formative effect that um, identities have on student experiences, uh, whether it's early on in their programs or later in their careers. And so taking a step back and as a mentor, helping people and helping mentees understand what their, what their identities are, but how their identity is part of that whole experience and, and just not setting it aside and ignoring that, that or thinking that doesn't exist or isn't part of, of their professional identity. This is a big piece of that, that this chapter kind of talked about was the, the, this kind of reconciling identities, you know, what's, what's required of me at home or what's been required of me up to this point may look different from the norms and expectations of whatever I'm engaging in next. And I think it's not in, in this chapter specifically, but when we're talking about those structures of mentoring, um, we talk about that formal informal and how very different those networks can be in terms of not just, you know, their experiences, but also then the advice they give and how they see whatever you're trying to do. Um, I think can real is, is something we also have to kind of think about in terms of you know, again, what are those, what are those contributions? What does that, what does that look like? What have we been told about? <laughs> what have we been told mm -hmm. about what's supposed to happen? And, and then for that mentor thinking about how do I help somebody evaluate that? How do I help somebody process, you know, what, what they've experienced and what they've been told about how things work and what's my role then to, to guide or to, to adjust expectations Sometimes how do I know what the expectation is in the first place and that, that that's where that should be. Um, but I think there's, there are some pieces there. Again, when we think about that co-pilot piece of how do I really get to know that, that person, not just what's that role that they're, that they're filling. Well, you know, I, I look back and I was thinking, you summed that up so well and connected it back to the earlier conversation where Mike was talking about the different stages of, of a mentor, of a mentorship, the last one being redefining. And as you're talking about this identity and all those different pieces that go through there, some, some of our identities stay the same throughout our professional career, but some of them are going to change. And as that identity changes from maybe a beginning ag teacher to maybe a more established or a leader, that means you're mentoring relationship is probably going to change a little bit in that, that redefining stage based off of that and understanding how to, how to uh, recognize those identities as you progress through your career and kind of in that redefining stage, making sure you're at least acknowledging those and understanding how that's impacting your mentoring relationships. I think that's an important aspect to, to think about. And as I think about identity among other things, going back to some of the earlier conversations that we have too, is the, the need for 
multiple mentors and different levels of, of mentoring. You know, we're kind of at times talking about a very formal mentor mentee relationship one-on-one and, and not thinking about other people around them, but whether it's identity or other situations, I, I always think it's great to have multiple uh, mentors uh, based upon what your needs are in, in certain situations. And so you may have a mentor because from a teaching standpoint, you may have another mentor that um, understands um, the work-life balance piece and can you can really consult there. And, and then there's other identities that you can um, reach out and build um, a mentee-mentor relationship because of those those identities and experiences. And I think even in the, the what do I contribute and the helping people see what they contribute, all those different mentors are going to see different things and be engaged in different ways with with your career. And so thinking, having multiple people be able to say, this was a, con- this was a contribution and acknowledge that and be able to get that back and forth, I think, can be really validating for for a career for people as they work through that and process through those different steps. Well, you know, I think it goes through that we go back and you know, this overused word that I use all the time of intentionality is we really need to self-reflect and say what are the, what are the identities I bring to the table? Mm-hmm. And then to your point about multiple mentors, how am I connecting through each of those identities with at least a mentor or mentors to talk about those sort of things? Cuz if I'm a you know, an alternatively certified teacher, who am I connecting with that can identify that same way to, to connect those ways? If I'm an underrepresented population, how, who am I connecting with in that particular way to go through and grow professionally? Mm-hmm. And so that should be part of at least your reflection in identifying those that you're going to reach out toward, reach out to, to uh, grow this mentoring relationship. It also makes me think about um, whether we're, chair of a department and it could be a um, school-based ag ed department or maybe we have a leadership role within the school district or even at at the university level um, thinking about how do we recruit how do we support how do we engage um, and, and develop mentors that people can relate to that are like others that have certain identities that they're talking about. And so many times we've, we've struggled, particularly in agriculture and, and, and in ag education as well about identifying and finding people that others can look up to others that can look towards someone to provide that mentoring that's needed. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's, sometimes we just kind of whitewash that and, and don't necessarily give that much thought. But I think at some point where we need to continue to have those conversations about how do we grow um, a broader um, mosaic of um, identities that um, can, can play that role and, and support people. And we have students and we have others that can look up to others and say, you know, I'm like that person. I can aspire to be successful. I can aspire to be a a faculty member, um, and, and be successful. Well, you know, and I think that does go in the idea that, that those in leadership roles that may be coordinating mentorship programs or whatever else, one thing that they need, need to be thinking about from the identity standpoint is that we don't overload certain members mm-hmm. because just as you want to connect in those identities, 
you know, just because you are one, you know, African-American teacher leader in your school, in your uh, state, that doesn't mean that every single underrepresented minority that you, you have the expectation that you're going to have to be a mentor for that person. Cause that's, that's just not fair to that individual either. Um, and we've talked about, we have to make sure that we are providing resources, not just for those that need the mentoring, but those that are giving the mentoring as well. Mm-hmm. And we can't overload those that may be of an underrepresented identity, however we want to define those identities, that that one person has the expectation, okay, we now are building up this cadre of, of younger generation of folks, and now that you are the trailblazer, you have to provide mentoring to these 187,000 people coming up. Yeah. Well, that's just not, not sustainable um, and helping, helping through that process as well. And that's something for our, our folks out there that may be leading these programs need to be thinking about from a formal standpoint. Not sustainable on either side. Like mm-hmm. we've talked and quite a bit about the work of mentoring, just how much work it is. If you don't get a good mentoring experience, while we'll talk in a later episode about how we actually measure the success of that mentoring, if part of that measure is retention, we haven't had some of those good experiences. That's not going to be <laughs> that's not going to be an outcome, and possibly the same for the mentor if we're burning them out on 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 all these mentees. And so thinking about just some of the other, I think some of it's also thinking about what are other ways that we can we can do some of that mentor matching and do that with intentionality, like you said. Well, that is some great foreshadowing for future episodes in this series on mentoring. Um, hope you have enjoyed this, our, our ongoing conversation around mentoring. And again, whether or not you are uh, an early career ag teacher or someone that is leading a state organization or a district organization that has a mentoring program, hopefully you're bringing tidbits out of this that you can apply in your, in your own, own role. And we look forward to continuing the conversation. And thank you all for engaging not only in the podcast, but hopefully through social media as well sharing your examples and ideas on on mentoring. So thank you all for joining us today on Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Check out our website for more information on this topic and to learn more about our guests. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay connected. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll never miss an episode. For Mike and Becky, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellets saying thank you and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers.